0: This is our number three of the John and Leah Show. This is the program where we talk about the news of the week, the events of our often bizarre lives, and where we provide you with a three-hour oasis of rationality in the desert of insanity, which is the American media, cultural, and political landscape. My name is John Ziegler-Lee Brandon. My host is off this week. She'll be back next. Because she is off, we're doing our once a quarter, although that's rather informal, edition of Ask John Anything, which gives you the rare opportunity to ask me any question at all, just as Ask John Anything would imply, other than a trivia question, or an imponderable. That's not what this is about. We've had some good ones so far. Still have an hour left to go. I intend to take more of your questions during this particular hour. You can ask me and Ask John Anything question via my Twitter feed, my Facebook page, or my email, at talktozigataol.com. I also want to talk a little bit about a couple other news stories this week, including the Olympic Games, because tonight – the Olympic Games have officially concluded. And, you know, as a guy who began his career as a sportscaster and who as a kid loved sports, although I was never a particularly good athlete, I was decent. I was a decent little league baseball player. I was a good little league baseball player. I've been a good golfer, played high school, uh, tennis. But I was never anything remotely close to being a, a professional athlete or an Olympic athlete as much as I would have loved to have. Been so, I was a big fan of the Olympics growing up. Uh, the 1976 Olympics in Montreal were a big part of my childhood. The 1984 Olympics in, here in the Los Angeles area, obviously a great memory. Uh, the 1980 uh, Lake Placid Olympics with the hockey team beating the Soviet Union was one of the like, iconic moments of my childhood. And so uh, I'm a big fan of the Olympics. And so it's always been kind of a melancholy moment for me. Uh, and I'm sure a lot of other people, whenever the Olympics ends, especially the summer games, because the summer games are much larger deal than the winter variety. And, you know, in a way, I, I am feeling it this year because there, there have been some amazing performances. The United States has done an extraordinarily good job with regard to, to medals, although I, I frankly think it's because the rest of the world just sucks so much worse than we do. I mean, Russia has almost fallen off the map because of the, uh, the doping scandal there. None of, no other major countries have been able to, uh, on a broad scale, even China, have been able to, to really compete with the United States on a, on a broad level across all the sports. I believe we're going to set all kinds of records with regard to the number of medals, uh, the largest medal discrepancy in modern times, With regard to how many medals we won, we won the most gold, we won the most silver, we won the most bronze. Uh, We had several individual performances, the likes of which will never be seen again. We're never going to see Michael Phelps again. Never going to happen. Simone Biles is apparently the greatest female gymnast of all time. Katie Ledecky might be the the Michael Phelps of the female swimming world. He's not an American, but we're never going to see Usain Bolt again, assuming... Usain Bolt is, is not also doping, but to win the 100 meters and the 200 meters and the 100-meter relay, three consecutive Olympics, that's just extraordinary. So, I mean, these are these are things that you're just never going to see again. And the idea of the Olympics is is so awesome. Of course, they've sucked the soul out of it a long time ago by going almost completely professional, and the doping scandals have certainly diminished it as well. And I think interest in the Olympics has almost like everything else other than the Super Bowl. I mean, everything has been diminished somewhat by the fact that we are so fragmented in our media world, so fragmented in our society. We're so busy. We're so ADHD. There's so much competition for our attentions now that it's very, very difficult for anything to really capture our imagination and our focus of our attention for an extended period of time. And then, you know, the Olympics goes, what, 16 days. And now the 16 days in our short attention span world seems like a long time. There's probably a lot of people feel like it's time for the Olympics to end. But to me, I always felt melancholy and a little sad about it because it only happens once every four years. It's not an every year deal. You know, that this group of people are never going to get together again, ever. In fact, I don't know what the percentage is, but it's probably over half of the athletes that are leaving Rio tonight are never going to be in another Olympic games. And the concept of the whole world getting together to compete in athletics in friendly competition is, is such a neat concept. And some of it's actually real, you know, and, and this is something that has has greatly influenced my career which began as a, as a television sportscaster and then got more into politics and to more serious issues as a documentary filmmaker and as a talk show host and as a columnist. And I have to say that part of why I got out of sports was I became jaded because I realized it wasn't nearly as pure as I thought it was or hoped that it was growing up. I was super naive. And also because sports, let's face it, over the last 20, 30 years has become – far more jaded and commercial and professional itself. So it was, a, it was two things. I, I had too much of a naive view, and sports also went downhill. But as I've gotten into other areas of life, specifically politics, and very specifically this election year, what I've realized is that while sports isn't what it's all cracked up to be and there's a lot of bull crap involved in it, there's at least a smidgen of it that's real there's at least the opportunity that something awesome is going to happen at any given moment that is real. It's not completely fake. It's not totally manufactured. The political world, the media world, is almost 100% bullcrap now, especially in this election cycle. There's nothing real. There's nothing awesome. There's nothing great about it. So I actually find myself in a weird way gravitating back towards sports a little bit, because even if there's just a smidgen, just a smidgen of something that's real, something that's great, something where human beings can be truly awesome and be better than what they thought they could be, then that's exciting to me. And to see it end for another four years and to see also the Olympic movement kind of be diminishing like everything else is diminishing, I do feel a little bit sad about. But again, it's important to point out that we saw performances this particular Olympics, an Olympics that had all sorts of issues. Although, you know, it's funny, this seems to be a recurring theme now in almost every Olympics. Are they going to be able to pull it off? They're way behind schedule. There's so many problems. And then invariably, while it's not perfect, they do pull it off. And this Olympics came off without any massive catastrophes. There were issues, of course. And, yes, I will get to Ryan Lochte momentarily. <laughs> but on the good side, you know, you're know, you never going to see a Michael Phelps again. You're never going to see a Usain Bolt again. I, I doubt you're going to see anybody better than Simone Biles or and Katie Ledecky uh, in the pool. Uh, and the United States team this year just did a, an amazing, fantastic job. And so that's been a lot of fun to watch. Now, I referred to Ryan Lochte. When we come back, I, I got to talk about what transpired there and how the media covered it and relate that to another Olympic sport that got almost no controversy at all. Specifically, I'm referring to a man winning the women's 800 meters at the Olympic Games. And the media basically said, mm, wow, okay. Let's move on. Let's not talk about that. We'll talk about it when we come back on the Free Speech Broadcasting Network. Welcome back. This is the John and Leah show. My name is John Ziegler. Leah Brandon is off this week. She'll be back next. Our website is freespeechbroadcasting.com. If you go there, you can email me your Ask John Anything question. I do anticipate that the last half hour of the program will be devoted completely to your Ask John Anything questions, which you can provide to me via my Twitter feed, Facebook page, or email, which is TalkToZig at AOL.com. That, of course, was the Olympic theme. Tonight ended the Olympics in Rio, an Olympics that was dominated by tremendous performances and by the United States in particular. But there's also been a couple of controversies, one of which has gotten by far the most news media coverage, and that involved Ryan Lochte, the swimmer, who last weekend, and Leah Brandon, to her credit, had a great suspicion. I had a minor suspicion, but we both discussed our suspicions that the story that Ryan Lochte was telling this time last week about having been held up by, I guess he referred to them as police officers without badges or security officials with a gun to his forehead and robbed of his money, but not his ID and not his wallet. That story to for the large, to a large extent, for the most part, turned out to be bullcrap. And Leah's BS detector was going off to a great degree. Mine was to a lesser degree. But part of the reason why mine wasn't going off more is that Ryan Lochte is a dumb person. I mean, Ryan Lochte is one of the dumbest people who has ever reached that level of uh, sports celebrity. Now, there's been some dumb people that have done so. But not not too many of them have ever tried to host their own reality television show, which Ryan Lochte did without any real success after the 2012 Olympic Games. And so anyway, long story short, I'm sure you've heard by now, it turns out that Lochte lied about numerous elements of the story. However, there still was a gun and he did get over, give over his money. Now, the reason he gave over his money, apparently what happened was, in a drunken stupor, he at least partially vandalized this gas station. And I guess, presuming that these were Americans who were going to be leaving the country soon, whoever was in charge there decided, I'm going to get my money to pay for this vandalism now, and I'm going to get it via the point of a gun. Now, the gun wasn't to the head the gun was pointed at the direction of Ryan Lochte and Lochte apparently paid over some money, which he now feels understandably was basically an extortion. Well, the news media went bat crap crazy over this and I'm not defending what he did. He lied, Uh, but he lied in a way that frankly, you know, knowing Lochte the way I think I understand him and how this whole story evolved, he he told this story first to Billy Bush of NBC, who's not really a news reporter. He's an entertainment guy. It's clear that Bush and Lochte are kind of buddies. Bush has helped foster this narrative of Lochte as the fun-loving party guy with the crazy life. And it's now obvious to me that Lochte was still partially intoxicated when he gave the interview. And he gave the interview like he was talking to one of his, one of his bros, one of his buddies, Uh, about what happened the night before. And when you do that, for better or for worse, you tend to exaggerate the good. You eliminate the bad. You make it a better story. And that's what Lochte did. He was talking bro to bro. And he told a story that was, in its essence, not true, although I have to tell you that under slightly different circumstances, I think the media would have given Lochte a pass. I mean, the guy had a gun pointed at him. Have we completely forgotten about that part? I mean, he felt that was robbery. When you're drunk late at night in a in a city with a city reputation, you can't understand the, the language. You got a gun pointed at you. Someone's telling you to give them money. I can understand why you're, you're describing that as a robbery. Of course, you leave out the part that you just vandalized the place and that this the money they were asking slash demanding was because of that vandalism. But, I mean, they, they, the media, especially NBC, pretended as if this was like on the scale of, uh, of a Hillary Clinton lie, you know, something really important. Of course, they would never grill Hillary Clinton like the way they did Ryan Lochte. Ryan Lochte's biggest sin was not understanding that the story that you tell NBC is not the same story you tell your, your buddies and your pals after a night of drinking. And again, I'm not defending Ryan Lochte. I've written a column about what we can tell from the media reaction to this, and how and why Ryan Lochte was ripe for the picking. Here, he was basically a lame duck, an easy shot because of a number of circumstances, including the fact that he has no political correctness protection, being a white male who's a celebrity but not a huge celebrity. He's not doesn't have a hardship story. Uh, you know, he's he's seen as a party boy. And he's got no real future. So they went after him. They ran after him hard. And they basically destroyed him. His career, his endorsements, maybe even his swimming, 32 years old, is is effectively over. And so in a weird way, I actually feel a little bit sorry for the guy, even though I do believe he's a dope and a liar. You can check that, uh, that column that I just referred to out on my Facebook page, Twitter page, and just uh, Google John Ziegler and Mediate. When we come back. The other controversy involving the Olympics, the man who won the women's 800 and your questions for Ask John Anything coming up next on the Free Speech Broadcasting Network. Welcome back. This is the John and Leah show. My name is John Ziegler and Leah Brandon is off this week. She'll be back next. Our website is freespeechbroadcasting.com. In a moment, we'll finish the program with nothing but me answering your questions during Ask John Anything. So this is probably your last opportunity to provide me with a question for Ask John Anything. You can do so via my Twitter feed, my Facebook page, or my email, which is TalkToZig at AOL.com. Happy to answer any question you have that I feel is uh, interesting or relevant, other than, of course, trivia or imponderables. Before we do that, one other note about the Olympics. So while the news media, especially NBC, who carries the Olympic Games, which ended tonight, was obsessed with the Ryan Lochte story, which I think was way overblown and was done so mainly because Lochte was incredibly vulnerable being a white male of modest celebrity with no real future and not being very bright. I think if the circumstances had been even slightly different, I think the news media probably would have given him a pass, especially if he was a minority. I mean, my gosh, a black man having a gun pulled on him by any sort of official is inherently evil, right? No matter what the black man has done. So if Lochte was black, I don't think we'd see any of the same coverage. In fact, Lochte might have somehow turned out to be a hero. We've seen, we've seen more bizarre situations than that where the, where the black person turned out to be a hero, thanks to large part of the media buying into false narratives. So while the media was obsessed with the Ryan Lochte story, they've almost completely ignored what I find to be a, a far more stunning and at least more significant story with regard to sports. And that is that a man, effectively, almost literally, by almost any definition, a man named Castor Semenya from South Africa won the gold medal for the women's 800-meter race. Let me repeat that. A man won the women's 800-meter race. And they're saying, John, how is that possible? No, no, I mean, my gosh, the the media told me it was a woman. So therefore, it it obviously must be a woman. The media wouldn't lie to me. Well, first of all, all, you need to do is take one look at Semenya and you realize this is not a woman. This is not a manly looking woman. I've seen manly looking women before. There were a lot of those from East Germany and the Soviet Union back in the 70s and the 80s had hair where they shouldn't have had hair, that type of stuff. No, 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 no. This is a man. Now, apparently this person is a hermaphrodite. So effectively, my understanding is that this person is a man, except they have no external male genitalia. Chromosomally, genetically, they're a man. Now, there was a bunch of controversy over whether or not this person should be able to run. They'd run previously, but they didn't win the gold medal. Interestingly, their times had diminished over the last couple of years because there was a ruling that most people in the sport seem to believe forced Semenya into diminishing his or her testosterone levels. And she was he, she was no longer one of the top runners in the world. Well, then there was a court ruling two years ago, which apparently then allowed Semenya to go back to his or her normal testosterone levels. And lo and behold, he or she easily won the 800-meter race last night with no controversy. NBC, literally in both the semifinals and the finals of Semenya's race, had the Play by play guy, Tom Hammonds, read, read word for word a carefully prepared statement about Semenya, in which at one point he says, There are no easy answers to this question. What do you mean there are no easy answers? It's very easy. This is a man. This is a person who should not be competing against women. And by the way, the proof that, well, there's a lot of ways to look at this, but to me, the proof, that this is a man, is if Semenya had wanted to compete as a man, there's not a chance in the world Semenya would have been prevented from doing so. An obvious double standard here. And of course, Semenya is black and Semenya is from South Africa so unlike Ryan Lochte, Semenya has a lot of political correctness protection. And so the media doesn't go after Semenya and none of the other racers, which is amazing, they devote their lives to this event and then they get beaten badly by a man racing in a woman's race and none of them have the guts to say a word. I mean, it was the American swimmer, Lily who went after the Russian who had, even though she lives here in Southern California, in the swimming pool for having failed two tests and still being allowed to swim in the Olympics. She went all after her. Nobody had the guts to do that when it came to Semenya because they would have gotten destroyed. It would have been politically incorrect. Oh, you can't. This person's already been through so much. Look, I have sympathy for having to live a life that way. I mean, when when you're a man, but you don't really have Male genitalia. I mean, there's a there's a word for that. There's I think I think it's in, isn't that the Republican establishment? Isn't that? I I, I digress. Right. That w- that was a bad joke. Although there's probably some truth to it. The point here is, I it's, it's not about not having sympathy for Semenya. It's just the reality is you don't have the privilege of running as a woman in a race for the Olympic gold medal when you're clearly not a woman. This is not that complicated. This is not even a close judgment call. And yet, no discussion of it at all because it's politically incorrect. Instead, we're obsessed with Ryan Lochte. All right. Um, Rest of the program, I want to do Ask John Anything. One question I've been asked on Twitter by someone who's very annoyed with me, which is not unusual because I get a ton of hate tweets and hate Facebook messages because I don't buy this notion that Donald Trump is a conservative or a viable presidential candidate. I guess I'm supposed to because he's got an R next to his name, which is flat out hilarious because I can guarantee you Donald Trump never would have done that. But one of the questions I keep getting asked is, who will I vote for? And I think I've said this before, but if I haven't, I'll say it now. I will never vote for Hillary Clinton. I do not believe I will vote for Donald Trump. I have tried very hard to find a reason to vote for Donald Trump. I can't do it. I believe that Donald Trump would be a disastrous president. I do not believe he would be conservative. And I think he would be completely and totally not able to function in the most basic way as president of the United States because I don't don't believe that he is remotely, temperamentally, Suited for the position, I don't think his experience is consistent with the position. I don't think he's a good person. I think he's a con man. I think he's a fraud. I think he's a selfish, narcissistic, egomaniac. Even worse than Barack Obama is in that psychology, those that psychological area. Even that, even being said, that being said, I'm still open minded. If somehow he could convince me with a logical argument. As to why he's worthy of my support, I'm open minded. But if the election was tomorrow and I was going to vote tomorrow, I would vote for the libertarian candidate, Gary Johnson. I know Gary Johnson's not going to win. I got major issues with Gary Johnson on issues, but I think he's a good person. I think he's qualified. He was a two term governor of New Mexico. He's got a decent vice presidential nominee in William Weld. He believes in limited government. And from a symbolism standpoint, Supporting him, at least, I believe, shows the world that there are people out there who believe in limited government. A vote for Donald Trump is not a vote for limited government government in any way, shape, or form, even if you believe everything he says. He's in favor of big government and liberal policies and government being the answer. Him, specifically, he says he's the only man that can save us. That's what Donald Trump said at the convention. Nothing scary about that. So from a symbolic standpoint, I'll be much more comfortable voting for Gary Johnson. Of course, I live in California, so my vote doesn't matter anyway. And my support doesn't matter. I mean, my wife is going to vote for Donald Trump. My co-host Leah Brandon is going to vote for Donald Trump. I have no influence over anything. I'm just telling you like, I'm just calling it like I see it. Just telling you what's going to happen. I've been warning you All along, this was the outcome that was going to transpire, either directly or indirectly because of Donald Trump's nomination, and nothing has changed my mind to date. The only thing that's remotely surprised me is Hillary is such a pathetic candidate, she can't put him away. That's what's so frustrating about this whole thing. The the, the number one thing I've been wrong about is, as bad as I thought Hillary would be as a candidate, she's been far worse. She's been far more beatable than even I ever thought possible. And unfortunately... We got Donald Trump there as the only person that can legitimately do it, which I don't think is likely. All right. Last chance for your Ask John Anything questions. I'll answer as many as I can in our final segment of this edition of The John and Leah Show on the Free Speech Broadcasting Network. final segment of this edition of the john and leah show my name is john Ziegler. our website is freespeechbroadcasting.com that's where you can check out the podcast for this program and for each and every edition of the john and leah show over the past year or so tonight's program will be available monday morning and i understand we've been having some technical problems at our flagship station in los angeles for which we apologize we're not quite sure why that's happening, but on the podcast, you'll be able to hear everything commercial-free without any of those technical issues, so make sure if you uh, did have problems listening to the program in Los Angeles that you check out the podcasts starting early tomorrow morning at freespeechbroadcasting.com. That's via iTunes and SoundCloud. We've been doing something a little bit different tonight because Leah is on vacation something we call Ask John Anything. And uh, I have a couple questions I will answer in the final moments of the program in, in the vein of Ask John Anything. Via my Facebook page, Jeff Pitluck asks, do you think Los Angeles will get the 2024 Summer Olympics 1984, the Olympics that was last in Los Angeles, might be the last location that made a profit or broke even? I actually think that Los Angeles will get the 2024 Summer Games largely because it seems as if almost nobody wants the Olympics anymore, at least not countries or cities that can actually pull it off. Uh, the recent history of cities hosting the Olympics has been an economic catastrophe. I mean, you can actually there are web pages devoted to photographs of former Olympic venues the, of Olympic cities of recent times where it's basically a ghost town. And there's a reason why in the last bidding, almost nobody bid. I believe it was for the uh, Winter Games. And so in 2024, I don't know who Los Angeles is going up against, but you know Los Angeles is touting itself as the northern capital of South America which is actually, unfortunately, fairly accurate. I'm sorry, not South America, Central America. South America would be even worse than what we currently have, but Central America, the northern capital of Central America, meaning basically Mexico, and that's what Los Angeles is. So from a politically correct standpoint, a cultural perspective, a history standpoint, Los Angeles seems to fit. I mean, it's it's obviously a a very media-friendly city, A lot of the venues from 1984 are still there or can be, I would assume, be improved enough to make it uh, uh, feasible for an Olympics. You've got an NFL football stadium, a spectacular new stadium supposedly that will be built in three years, well before 2024, which I would presume would play a major role. The L.A. Coliseum is still functional and has hosted two Olympics in the past. So it's almost so much of a no-brainer that Los Angeles would get it, then I, it makes me think, well, somebody's going to screw it up because what's so obvious very rarely happens. Of course, it also depends on wh- who has the bribes because it's very obvious that the International Olympic Committee is corrupt. And so if somebody else decides that they want it and they're willing to bribe people, then they'll get it. But if it's done purely on the basis of logic, reason, which hardly ever carries the day anymore, Uh, you can certainly make a much stronger argument for Los Angeles, especially in a non-competitive environment, than you can anywhere else. And the United States has not held a summer games since Atlanta. So it's about time, and it would make sense. So my guess is yes, but it probably makes too much sense to actually happen. Uh, Another question on my Facebook page comes from Mark Ahrens, and he writes, My wife and I are expecting our first child in February. Please share some advice for fatherhood. What is at least one thing you've done well and at least one, I'm sure, of many mistakes that you wish you did differently in raising grace? Great question uh, from Mark. I, You know, one of the things about fatherhood that makes it so difficult, or or motherhood, is that to me, you don't really have any idea how well you've done until it's way too late. I mean, if you think about it as kind of like, uh, you're, you're creating this environment to try to, you know, I don't know, have a have a tree grow, right? How long does it take for a tree to be, to come to full growth? I mean, it's a long time. Well, in the human being's perspective, it's at least 30 or 40 years in this day and age, because before you know for sure what kind of a parent you were, because you find out what kind of a child turned out. And so it's hard for me to answer that, because I only got a four-year-old now from a Logistical standpoint, um, what I've done well, I, I know what I've done poorly. I've I have been I've done a poor job of making sure that my wife and I do not argue in front of my child, in front of Grace. And this is something that uh, my wife and I have discussed. I have tried to curtail my wife. It's clearly at least fifty percent of their well. I'm going to go with she's 50% of this issue as well, but we've both done a lousy job of keeping our our sniping at each other and our fights away from our daughter. And it's very clear that this has an impact. This is not just something you read about in books. But I really believe I believe this is one element that is true when it comes to the prevailing wisdom of child rearing. I think that it is really important. That your child see two parents that love each other, that have limited conflict, that do not create anxiety for the child. I know for Grace specifically, there have been numerous times where it is obvious that she has become agitated because of a fight between her parents. In fact, she even will scold us saying, stop panicking. And that's what the word... She somehow has gotten to use the word panicking for, for fighting, which actually is a pretty good description sometimes of what causes the fights. But it's very clear that uh, Grace is negatively impacted by it. On the other hand, she's also positively impacted by signs of affection. So that would be, in my experience, the, the one thing that really stands out that I wish I would have done differently and I'm trying to do better Uh, The the things that I do well, um, listening to everything that she has to say, verbalizing everything as as an adult. I would say that that would be the number one thing. Don't talk baby talk. Talk to your kid like you would more as an adult, especially in your pronunciation and in your word usage. Because Grace, uh, from what I can tell, is way ahead of the game from a vocabulary standpoint uh, in comparison to other four-year-olds. She's very, very verbal. She has a great vocabulary. She has good pronunciation. And I think it's because we never did baby talk and we spoke to her, not as an equal, but as you would a real person. Uh, Let's see. There's another Ask John Anything question I can get to super fast. I have someone I wanted to answer the question about what happened in Louisville, Kentucky, which is always a great question because I I used to be a talk show host in Louisville, Kentucky, at WHAS, which broadcasts this program on a weekly basis. Uh, That story is far, far too long to discuss in the less than a minute that I have remaining. But basically what happened there was – I was fired by then Clear Channel Communications, rehired by Clear Channel Communications here in Los Angeles at KFI. I was sued uh, because of the circumstances of that firing. I ended up winning that lawsuit unanimously in a, in a case that ended up being way overblown by the Louis, Louisville media. Uh, but I still have uh, fond thoughts of Louisville and many good friends there to this day. And I'm sure at another point in the future show with Leah, present, uh, I'll be able to tell the full story of what really happened, because it truly is amazing, one of many incredible stories in my career, uh, what happened with regard to Louisville, Kentucky. All right, that'll do it for this edition of the John and Leah Show. Leah will be back next week. Until then, our website is freespeechbroadcasting.com. Have a great night, everybody. See you next week.